You're listening to The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. In every episode, we will discuss the topics and trends, the issues and ideas, the challenges and opportunities facing senior business leaders today. This series is one more way we want to engage with our network of industry executives. Thanks for joining us. Hello again, everyone. You're joining us for another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm Head of Content and Research. My guest today is Hunter Malik with Sharp Services. We're going to be having a conversation about uh, packaging and supply chain for the pharmaceutical industry. I think this is going to be a great conversation. Hunter, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely, Jeff. Glad to be here. Why don't we start off with, you have been having some conversations on site with pharmaceutical executives. What are some of the things they're coming to you with in terms of uh, trends that they're seeing? So what I'll say with the one conversation earlier yesterday was overflow opportunities. So in organizations that already have their own manufacturing packaging capabilities themselves, what they have that is finite is uh, capacity. Mm. So when they're bringing new products to the market, some of the legacy items that they still need to supply to the patient population uh, where they'll run out of time on their lines, they'd be looking to Sharp for those overflow opportunities. Uh, some of the other opportunities that Sharp historically has supported and certainly going forward we would like to continue to support are those rapid launch scenarios. So where we have that established network of printing component vendors to support the quick last minute changes coming from FDA commentary, that's where someone smaller scale or with a more global vendor network might not be able to readily react get said components to the packaging space to then quickly pack out and provide products to the patient. Okay, I, I would love to expand upon that a little because I think a lot of people are aware, hey, packaging changes or something new comes online quickly. What are realistic timelines when you've been presented with something that has changed and you've gone to your own capacity and said, hey, we need to do this, and they said, uh, we're busy. Uh, when you go looking for a partner to help you with that issue, what does getting started look like? How long does it take to really get up and running? Well, let's start with at least the printing component changes. There, uh, again, with appropriate planning, conversations happening months in advance of when we are realistically expecting the agency to provide final commentary on necessary copy, they can do it as quickly as a day. And that means, you know, where they start the clock, our vendors specifically, mm -hmm. is they have all of their necessary documentation signed off. Now, let's take the PI as an example, because that's often case the last component that the FDA gives the blessing on before we would go to final print and then ultimately packaging. Um, we would have already submitted to our vendor of choice. This is what is going to be printed. Now, we're expecting some changes, but at the very least, they can lay and flow the artwork. So when that inevitable this line and that line changes, it's a lot quicker to address it. So like anything with appropriate planning, advance notice, our vendor network can turn things around very quickly. Also, there are the geography of having them close to our facilities in Allentown, Pennsylvania area. It's a day in terms of their site to our site to make that delivery. So again, instead of having something from on the other side of the states coming into our facility, it gets put onto a truck and goes from uh, potentially even as close as Jersey wow. across the state into Pennsylvania. So at least there, from the printing component side, just like anything else, prior planning, prior conversations, um, 
we're always given the date of when everything is expected to be approved. Obviously, that might shift in or out a little bit, but I have to applaud our vendor network and our partnerships there and you know their continued flexibility of, uh, we're planning for May 16th, but it actually came a day earlier or it comes on Friday the 19th. Well, I mean, it surprises me. I didn't know the answer to the question you're going to give, and I did not think it was going to be a day from when you're ready to pull the trigger to, to delivery. I can see that being such a uh, offering of peace of mind to people who have a lot of other things going on, and when they realize there's a, a hiccup here, a one-day fix is a very attractive thing. Absolutely, and then so that's step one of sure. right the whole when do we actually get product out to a distribution center for it to be released. Um, that gets us to the point where we can start packaging. Now, what's variable from launch to launch, client to client, of course, what do they consider their launch? Is it that first batch? Is it a full batch? Are they looking to run a half batch? How expeditious does the launch need to be? Um, but then again, like everything else we're doing, everything's meant for the patient. So if we have those conversations ahead of time with the appropriate support teams within Sharp, they can turn around their batch record review very quickly. And then also our clients, they're teeing up all of their internal teams too, to either be ready and waiting for a batch record or what we often found as a, a way of the old where teams would come on site at Sharp, again, to just be there, should anything go awry, should they have questions, they can immediately have that conversation with the team on site. Of course, during COVID, that changed. Obviously, everyone was trying to stay apart for the right reasons, but you mentioned that the days of old, it was very common for us to have client representation on site, whether that was quality, supply chain, tech ops, that we're starting to see a little bit more, where I think uh, people have definitely changed, and we'll see that change going forward, is the number of people coming on site. I think they've realized that there are folks who are critical and those who can certainly help, but tech ops quality would be the ones who really, you know, are gonna be the, the people pulling the trigger, pushing the buttons, uh, supply chain, obviously necessary, but the outcomes are a result of the efforts from quality tech ops on both of the team's ends. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, when you're mentioning these job titles, I'm going to the conversations I've had with people who hold those job titles. And one of the common themes that I've heard for the last year and a half now has been supply chain disruption and building in sort of buffers and, and agility and resiliency and, and the uh, rethinking of risk. And I wonder if we can speak to that from both the packaging side, and I, I also understand you do some work with uh, uh, clinical trials and some of that side of the business. Um, what, what's your experience been? And uh, it sounds like you have quite a robust system. I wonder if there's some lessons learned you can share. So lessons learned certainly from, let's start again, opposite end, packaging end. Um, in order to get product from the point of bulk to its end state, you have to have a qualified, validated packaging process, qualifying the equipment, validating the process, where we found that there are opportunities and our constraints were with scheduling flexibility and capacity. Well, if you cross-qualify, have multiple rooms, multiple lines that can support the packaging of a SKU or a multitude of SKUs, you afford yourself that flexibility should something 
go wrong in one room and there's a delay in getting that prior job done, obviously your other room then is an option. Um, so we've seen that again from our own internal sites. How do we, one, better set ourselves up for success? Um, the whole schedule attainment aspect there, right? How do we do better about not just the job in the room, but going from job A to job B? And then also, I've seen a couple clients come to us where, for risk mitigation purposes, we have one typically printing component supplier for each specific component set up. Um, we wouldn't go and say, you know, every single carton label insert for a customer specific product would go to one vendor, but typically you set up a vendor for each, the carton, the label, the insert that would be used where they're looking because of the influx and lead times that we saw for us to then go and set up a second vendor. Again, it seems like everything is correcting itself and lead times are starting to come back down, but we'd rather be prepared if they were to go up again and then still afford ourselves that option of, well, we could go from vendor A to vendor B rather quickly and we've already satisfied all the preliminary setup activities with dies, printer proofs, all the approvals, setting up of the, the documentation on our and our client side. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about some of the small and virtual companies in this space, because I think it, it sort of is logical that a, a hundred year old pharmaceutical giant probably has a pretty good idea of how they do packaging. Right. And some of these small and virtual companies, you know, they put 10 years of their lives into getting a product that works. And when they've got it and they're allowed to sell it, they're not necessarily going to be packaging experts. So how do they have a conversation with you to overcome that hurdle? So certainly, right. All their time and effort is gotten them to the point of, we have a lyophilized powder in the vial. What do we do next? And Sharp's design team comes in very helpful there. They have the background on not only our equipment and capabilities, but also the knowledge of what has caused us issues in the past. So there, again, provided the specs on the product vial as the example we're gonna use, uh, they can construct a package design and from there, they're supporting initiatives such as shipping validation. Uh, any sort of package design that they're gonna construct is immediately gonna work with our equipment because again, they have that background on what are our capabilities, what are our equipment lines. Um, but even, even more so, they're looking at it from a standpoint of, well, great, of course we can put this vial and insert into a carton, but what are the lot sizes? Is this something you'd look at to be automated? Is it smaller lot sizes that we need a crew of you know, 10 associates in the packaging room to assemble? Or is it something that we'd realistically wanna put on a, a more automated piece of equipment where you might only need four or five people to staff that room? There again, all the information that they're going to absorb in order to put out, this is, you know, in a very simplified sense, what kind of carton design we would go with. I sometimes like to put myself in the position of the pharmaceutical executive who has to make these decisions. Um, I'm a, a small company, my, my product is now approved and I can move forward and I don't know anything about packaging and 
I'm probably not going to learn a lot about packaging, to be honest with you. I'm going to hire an expert. And maybe there are 10 packaging companies sort of in my area that could do what we need to do, but I'm not going to pick them at random. What are the intelligent questions I should be asking as I look for the partner who's going to help me get this done? Well, certainly starting off capabilities, capacity, quality culture, quality history. Um, and there, you know, Sharp, again, with its past and where we're going to in the future, continues to deliver on those. Um, where I think we have ourselves set up for success, back to the conversation around capacity, cross-qualification. Uh, we continue to grow as an organization. When I first started with Sharp, uh, we had our Conshohocken and Allentown sites. Since my beginnings with Sharp, Allentown has grown to add a building fully gated to, dedicated to biotech and injectable type products, but also the products we were bringing into it. So as we continue to grow, add the additional capabilities from a capacity standpoint that we are setting ourselves up for future growth, for future success. And then, you know, quality risk mitigation, having that capability to go from one site to another. Now, that's not a quick and easy change by any means, but at least with how we've structured ourselves with our various sites, it's possible. Like anything, back to the whole example of the uh, printed components, we have these conversations in advance, the plan can be set in place, and then move forward if that's the decision we're gonna make. We have been speaking a lot about sort of the packaging side of this conversation, and I understand uh, Sharp Services does have uh, other offerings that you know could also be of a lot of interest, especially to some of those small and virtual companies. Can we talk about that? So our clinical group based out of our Bethlehem site, they, and this isn't something that I work closely with, but their site, even though it is somewhat structured towards the clinical, has commercial capabilities. And analytical testing, release testing is something that we historically in the past would have said, okay, no, Sharp, it's not something that we have within our portfolio of offerings, uh, but we can suggest this lab, that lab, which geographically are close to us and turnaround times should be rather quick, again, just from a transportation perspective. But having Bethlehem now being more involved with the commercial network uh, certainly strengthens and adds to our service offering. <laughs> I feel like we have covered a lot of ground in this conversation. For people who have been listening, maybe there's one or two things you want to underline as, as key takeaways. What are some of the bullet points you want people to think about further? Well, at the end of the day, we're establishing partnerships. Anything that comes into our facility is not Sharp's product. It's our client's product. And that's where we truly acknowledge that even though none of it is Sharp's product, we treat it that way. Um, it has the name of our clients, but we know our folks, whether it's the associates on the floor, the batch record review person, uh, the individuals pulling samples, sending them out for release testing. We're all critical parts of that process to ensure that the good product coming in is delivered to the patient at the end of the day. For people who have questions and want to learn more, what's the best way to get in touch? Certainly our website, www.sharpservices.com, or you can reach out directly to me on LinkedIn. Okay, well, I encourage everybody who has been enjoying this to reach out to Hunter. I think it's been a great conversation, and he clearly speaks with a, a lot of uh, confidence and, and passion in what he's doing. So, Hunter, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jeff. Pleasure. <laughs> You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon.